It's All Things 805, and we are connecting community, culture, and climate of Ventura County and beyond. I'm your host, Miss Allenette, and the All Things 805 radio show is part of the Allen Network, meaning that you can listen to this show at any time as part of the Allen Network podcast. Just go to your favorite streaming platform, for example, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and search the Allen Network, A-L-Y-N-E-T-T-E work, and you'll be able to find this episode of All Things 805 and past episodes. Like, follow, share, do all of the things, and you are greatly appreciated. Um, If you would like to be a guest on All Things 805, and you have something that you would like to get the word out about, um, you have something you're passionate about in the community, resources, information you want to get out to the public, yeah, be a guest and uh, you can send me a DM on our Instagram page at all.things.805 or feel free to send me an email to allthings805 radio at gmail.com. Today on the show, I will give you Linda Kikovich. She is a doctor of geography and the author of upcoming book, Palestine 1492. Also on the show today, Tyler Tanap, who is an Oxnard boxer, so he's from Boxnard, and he's headed to Australia to try out for the Olympic team to fight for his Filipino people, but he is from Oxnard, so we got to support this young man. That interview is coming up on All Things 805 as well, but let's get into it. Linda Kikivich, Doctor of Geography and the author of upcoming book, Palestine 1492 on all things 805. And on the phone lines with me right now, I have the author of the new book, uh, Palestine 1492, uh, Linda Kikivich. Hello. Hi, really. Welcome. Uh, happy to be here. Um, and I'm actually writing the book palestine are you writing it well you are the author of it it's a new book on the way right that's what i'm saying (laughs) did i no lies were told here right (laughs) so uh how are you this morning you know just keeping up on the news and and you know trying to figure out how to best be helpful and the situation right now with the genocide in gaza and palestine well before we get started about this talk we're going to have and uh, about your upcoming book and um, I just shedding a little bit of insight on what's going on right now um, in the world. The first question I always ask people on All Things 805 is to share a little bit about yourself from your own point of view. What do you want the listeners of All Things 805 to know about you, Dr. Linda Kigivich? Yeah, well, born and raised on Shumash lands uh, in Wainimi, Oxnard, Oxnimi, and graduated Wainimi High School, class of 96, and then just started to do a lot of reading on my own in later years about what was happening in Palestine because it was so confusing on the news. Mm. I had already known about the Holocaust when I was nine years old. I saw the diary of Anna Frank at the Oxnard College auditorium and I was really traumatized by it, my heart broken and Anna Frank when I was a little girl was very much my friend, she was my political friend kind of like a moral compass on the world and I thought a lot about what I would do in a situation of genocide 
And because I saw from my readings of what happened in Germany against Jews during the Holocaust that a lot of people just allowed it to happen and didn't say anything. And I didn't understand how that could happen. So when I learned about Israel, I was first very happy that there was a safe place for Jews after the Holocaust, but I hadn't learned how it had been created, that it had been created by dispossessing Palestinians, by erasing Palestinians, taking them out of the land, and that that is still ongoing, and it's been going on for decades, as, as you know, as old as my mother is old, 1948 on forward, and so that's something that I couldn't look away from, and so, you know, 20 years ago, I really started to study on my own, but it confused, and then I, I visited, and I did a PhD, I was doing a PhD in geography on borders, mm-hmm. and I decided to do my entire research on the borders of Palestine, Israel, because I wanted to see how those borders were created that everyone's fighting over, mostly because I already knew the U.S.-Mexico border uh-huh. was fair too, you know, and so I was like, hmm, there's something strange here, and so that took me on this whole path that actually took me back to 1492, and I was able to easily connect our struggles here as brown people, as black people, as Native Americans, as anybody working class, working for poor whites, anyone who is below and is being crushed by and above. I was able to connect that to Palestine through this accompaniment work. Hmm. Um, on the phone lines with uh, Linda Kikivich now, she has a new book on the way called A Palestine 1492 um it's coming out you guys got to be looking out for that um you I, I was actually quite blown away you sent me a bio just to get started and um it's written very simply however it you know it's very moving to me now this is is just like a quick little line but um i wanted to read it and then have you touch on that if you can um my work does a lot of feeling thinking about our liberation movements and of great interest to me is preventing ourselves from becoming the monsters we fight. Can you shed a little light on that phrase that you have there? Yeah, the so thinking feeling. I started using this phrase thinking feeling from the movements in Latin America. They call it pensar, where they talk about how our thought is not disconnected from our feelings. I find that really useful because it allows me to put myself and my heart into my work rather than just writing like an, a supposedly objective, like outsider looking in. And the whole, you know, my work, my whole work about trying to prevent us from becoming the monsters that we fight, something that, that I learned so tragic about Israel is that this is, this is a people who have been genocided, who mm-hmm. have been oppressed in Europe for centuries, centuries. And what I learned a lot from going there and trying to understand is that well, there are a lot of seductions for us in order to survive if we're oppressed. Mm-hmm. The seduction is that we can be allowed to live as long as we can become useful for empire. And the way that, sadly, a lot of the Jewish liberation movement has turned to is through the state of Israel. Although there's been so many debates about it, and still, there's still, today, there's a growing number of Jews who 
do not support the State of Israel as a liberation project for them. They see it's not a liberation project, and instead it creates them as the oppressors of others, and they stand, they stand completely against that, against becoming the monsters that we fight. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Jews that have this, uh, this challenge. All of us have this challenge, like when we're asked to assimilate into whiteness, and we start policing our own communities, start looking negatively down our, at our own communities. Right. Like we join, like if you look at the Border Patrol, Homeland Security, the right. majority of made uh, by by Hispanics or brown people or native people who don't call themselves native anymore, mm. and the police of our own people. And there's a lot of privilege, quote unquote, of you know some kind of benefit get paid, you get relative peace because you're given a gun and so you don't have to be in the side of, you know, of, of, of those of us who are being stepped on. And so the, the challenge that we have that I've found from learning about Israel-Palestine is that we need to create liberation movements that don't want to mimic the oppressor, that don't want a safe space in the oppressor's world. And the task for us is to create a different world where we're not treating each other like that, where we can just respect each other mm-hmm. in all of our differences and not try to become somebody we're not, somebody who is an oppressor. I don't think that that's really, if we really thought about it, what it takes to make the world, for example, like raising children, anyone who has cared for children may have thought about how we really do need a community to care for the kids, to care for the babies, to care for the children, because they're so vulnerable. And so we need to figure out how we can share the world together amongst ages, amongst races, amongst faiths, amongst different. And that's my process. Hmm. On the phone lines with uh, Linda Kikivich, she's the author of the upcoming book, Palestine 1492. Um, I wanted to uh, address something that you've been kind of mission, uh, mentioning like um, hand in hand, which is empire and uh, oppressor. So when you say oppressor, usually that has some real economic value to it which, you know, would go in hand in hand with kind of what you're saying, empire. Well, empire, what I mean by empire is that logic and that practice that tries to force everybody to be under the wing or under the dominion of a certain type of society, that a certain type of society has the correct way and everybody must conform. Now, there's been a lot of empires in the past that, you know, that, that, maybe have described themselves as empires or have been described as empires. So here in Mesoamerica, for example, there is the Aztec Empire, very famously. What's really interesting about other empires compared to the one we're currently living in, the one that I argue in my book was created by the world of 1492 coming out of Europe, Mm. when the Aztec Empire or other empires on these lands conquered other peoples. They allowed other peoples to continue living their lives mm-hmm. and continued, you know, with their traditions and their customs and their ways. Got to continue speaking, for example, their own languages. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the Americas, so many Native American communities exist and have existed in the past 
before Europeans arrived with many different languages and different ways of viewing the world and relating to the world called Cosmovision. And it's not that societies were isolated from each other, it's that they respected each other. They didn't try to impose a language on them or a god or a worldview. But what happens when Christopher Columbus forward comes to the land, they are on an apocalyptic mission to convert everyone into Catholicism, because really what Christopher Columbus was looking for when he traveled west was Jerusalem. In Spain, it hadn't been called Spain yet, but the Iberian Peninsula. Before October 12, 1492, in January 2nd, 1492, the ethnic cleansing of the Muslims was finalized that day in Granada, the south of Spain, and Christopher Columbus was there, and it was very much the Catholic monarch against the Muslims in a holy kind of war that had been going on for centuries. On January 2nd, 1492, that war kind of finished in that the last Muslim stronghold in the Iberian Peninsula surrendered. And Christopher Columbus was there that January 2nd in Granada waiting for the Peninsula to surrender before he could have Queen Isabella's attention. And what he told her was that we can get Jerusalem next, but if we, if, but we need to sail west because over on the east there's a lot of Muslim strongholds. So that's what he was looking for, and that's what she was looking for. They had just wiped clean the Iberian Peninsula from the Muslims, and they also started, under Isabella, uh, oh, they started an escalation of ethnically cleansing Jews. Okay, at that wait, oh, at the same time they started this. Okay, but well, hold on, let me ask you something. And I hope, oh God, I hope this is not a stupid question. Now, these Muslim <laughs> people, were they the Moors? Yeah, exactly. They're called the Moors, the African Muslims. Um, it was an Islam that had congealed and borrowed a lot from African spirituality mm-hmm. that from the Iberian Peninsula practice. Which also allowed- spurred the whole Spanish-Moroccan movement of art and um, architecture and all of that. I I studied that, so I, okay, it's it's starting, the connection is, is starting to take hold here. Okay, got it. Keep telling your story, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The architecture is incredible, and in fact, Uh, In Granada, there's a beautiful castle uh, of Muslim Islamic architecture Mm -hmm. called the Alhambra, which means the red one in Arabic. And over in L.A., there's a a city called Alhambra, Alhambra. Mm -hmm. and when you look at the sign that it has on the street corners of itself, it looks very Arabic, like in that Islamic architecture. Yeah, so the architecture... Is, is very much hailed. If you go to Spain today, if you go to Granada today, there are tourists lining up to see the Alhambra, the castle, and all of its beauty. Well, people, yeah, people don't understand how um, intricate and wonderful and intertwined that culture is and even our culture as far as, um, you know, I studied interior design and I love the Spanish-Moroccan look. And, you know, like when you see leather couches with nail heads, that's Spanish-Moroccan. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So much. And not appreciated. There's a lot of Islamophobia in the society that we're in. So yes. it doesn't really like to talk about it. Yeah. But that is, that's why I start Palestine 1492 
Normally, when we talk about Palestine-Israel, the history begins only about 100 years ago when Jews were fleeing Europe at that time against anti-Semitism so that they could feel safe, and they came to Palestine. They also came to the United States, and they went to many places all over the world. But if we begin the story of Israel-Palestine in the 19th century, or like the 1800s, mm-hmm. 100 years, then it really can slip easily into us believing that this is a, a conflict, quote, quote, between Jews and Arabs, or Jews and Palestinians, or Jews mm-hmm. and Muslims, when it actually, if we, if we start at 1492, we see that there's a really strong history from Europe, and Europe has imposed on so much of the world, colonialism, yes. of Islamophobia, of ethnic cleansing. They were ethnically cleansing the Iberian Peninsula of Muslims and forced Jews to convert at the same time. And if they didn't convert, they had to flee. And if it turns out that they converted and they were suspected of lying of their conversion, then they tortured them. And across the street from the Alhamra in Granada, which I was able to visit a couple of years ago, uh, right across the street, there is a museum of, of the torture methods of the Inquisition. Oh, wow. And it, it's, it's harrowing to go and see it. But what you learned, what I learned anyway, was that a lot of the things that the Europeans did after Columbus here, such as torture, forced conversion, burning our books, having, they, we, we had an inquisition too. They, they, they forced us all to convert Native Americans, the ones they could. And if we were still practicing our ancestral ways, then there was a torture inquisition, like how Jews had, had experienced in the Iberian Peninsula. So, enslavement, for example, all of that Europeans were doing to other Europeans before they came here. And sadly, they brought that logic here and imposed it by force, although there's been resistance throughout all of these 500 years, of course, and there's still a lot of Native communities that continue to survive and thrive but are still under attack and are getting land stolen even to this day Mm. for mining, for example, or corporations that want some want the water or want a tourist resort resort so like if you go to cancun it's all tourist resort i studied yucatec maya uh, when i was in in university and whenever i look up words today on the internet to see what they mean i'm always confronted with a resort hotel who has used that word or, or something in cancun mm-hmm. so it's been very appropriated so it's been at the service of making money for other people so the way that I understand the empire, empire that has been created from 1492 forward and imposed on the globe with us and Africa and Asia and internally to Europe, that is a type of empire that has zero tolerance for difference. It's about converting others into their way, into mm-hmm. their worldview. Now, we've all been forced to speak Spanish, for example, we've all... Almost all of us have had our names changed to become Spanish. Mm -hmm. And really tragically, we see even from then this whole logic of Europe exporting out its problems to the rest of us. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when the Iberian Peninsula was ethnically cleansing Jews, a lot of Jews fled and came here 
And sadly, they became our oppressors, our, the colonizers here. Mm. And they were just trying to make their lives, you know, trying to flee oppression. But this is what the, the, the royalty, the queen, the monarchy mm-hmm. allowed. Like, well, go, you need to leave then. And so then they came. They converted to Catholicism. And so all of us, you know, know about Catholicism or some type of Christianity from that moment. But what has happened, and the tragedy of that, is that what 1492 has done is try to impose one world on everybody rather than respecting many worlds, a world where many worlds fit. And that has been its logic and its practice for 500 years. And what's happening in Palestine right now is there is a lot of geopolitics that happens there. There's a pipeline, a gas pipeline that Europeans have been trying to build in Palestine from the Gulf to the Mediterranean, going right through Palestine, which is right on the Mediterranean. And the Palestinians have gotten in the way of that because they haven't allowed themselves to be dispossessed Mm. with the creation of the state of Israel on top of their land. Mm. In addition to this, there's also this apocalyptic vision, this uh, Christian dispensationalism that, like Columbus, believes that the world is coming to an end soon, and in order to reach salvation, everyone must be converted into believers of Christ. And this is a very specific reading of Scripture that a lot of Christian evangelicals hold. I think a lot of us might know folks we have folks in our family maybe, I know I do, who are Christian evangelical, and truly believe that Jews need to go back to Palestine and build the third temple so that Jesus can come back, and that after Jesus comes back, that's going to be Judgment Day, and everyone who's not Christian is going to die in hell. And so when you hear in Washington, senators like Lindsey Graham just said the other day, this is a religious war you know, levels of talking about Gaza. You hear the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, using very biblical language that the prophecy of Isaiah is about to be fulfilled. So the state of Israel talks and works with Christian Zionists. Zionists are people who believe that the state of Israel should exist, and the majority of Zionists are Christians. By far, Christians United for Israel has at least 10 million members, which is far more than even Jews, the number of Jews in the United States. It's very much an apocalyptic view, empire spirituality from the days of Columbus and Isabella, and it's also geopolitical at the same time. The state of Israel was created by some Jews who were Zionists who talked to the oppressor, their own oppressor, the ones that were oppressing them inside the borders of Europe and said, you know what, we should just leave Europe. Can you help us just create a state somewhere? We don't care where it is. It can be in Uganda. It can be in Argentina. And what ended up happening was it was put in Palestine, which had a lot of that that religious fervor at the same time. A lesson in that is how not to do a liberation movement because the founders of Israel in trying to seek Jewish liberation, Jewish freedom, Jewish safety, they ask their their own oppressors to assist them. And what the price of that ticket was, was needing to oppress others at the service of empire. 
Wow, we'll take a break here and be back with more of Linda Kikivich coming up on All Things 805. And also on the way is my interview with Tyler Tanap, who is headed to Australia for the Olympic trials. It's All Things 805, connecting community, culture, and climate of Ventura County and beyond. Keep it right here. You should have been downtown. The people are rising. We thought it was a lockdown. They opened the fire. Them bullets was flying. Who said it was a lockdown? Goddamn lie. Oh my, time heals all, but you out of time now. Judge gotta watch us from the clock tower. Little tear gas cleared the whole place out. I'll be back with the hazmat for the next round. We was trying to protest and the fires broke out. Look out for the secret agents, they be planted in the crowd. Set a civil unrest, but you sleep so sound. Like you don't hear the screams, don't be catching beat down. Staying quiet when they're killing, but you speak loud when we ride. Got opinions coming from a place of privilege. Sicker than the COVID, how they did them on the ground. Speaking of the COVID, is it still going around? Won't you tell me about It's all things 805. We are connecting community, culture, and climate of Ventura County and beyond. On the phone lines with Linda Kikivich. Now, Linda Kikivich is currently writing a book called Palestine 1492, where she argues the enemy of the Palestinian people and us all is empire, not only Zionism. Now, you touched on what Zionism is. I'm getting a real education right now, so I'm, I'm not talking much, but um, shed some light on on more of your arguments of um and what you will uh, talk about in this book that you are writing right now. Yeah, so I went to Palestine to study the borders of Palestine-Israel because a lot of the discussions that I was hearing was about a two-state solution and, you know, a state for Palestinians side by side to a state of Israel. And I was reading the nego- about the negotiations. And what I was, what I was looking at was... What was the what was the land like before those borders? Because those borders were very new. They they recently were created by Europe, by the British and the French during World War One. After the Ottoman Empire fell, they carved up the land amongst themselves, which is very very common. It had already happened in Africa decades before with the scramble for Africa. This was a moment when Europe was cutting itself up into nation states. Nation states are, are very new inventions. The idea of a homogenous container of space with borders, that is very new. That is 200 years old. It, it hasn't been around for a very long time. But as Europe was cutting the world up, it begins by cutting up the globe right after 1492, after the Spanish monarchs you know, send Columbus out, and then it's realized that there's this whole new continent over here. The Portuguese next door are already sailing. They're sailing around Africa, invading, and they want a piece of this new action over here on these new lands. And they start to to start to fight with the Iber- with the with Isabella and her people. And because they're all Catholic, the, the Pope decides to step in, and he draws a line on the globe, which is the first time that scholars and historians can 
point to the beginning of global linear thinking, the beginning of cutting up the world into lines to be owned. And he cut up the, the globe, and he drew a line right through what passes to, through today, it, with, that is Brazil, and said, everything east of this line, Portugal, you invade. Everything west of this line, Spain will invade, which is why in Brazil, which spoken is Portuguese because the Portuguese colonized that land, and then west of Brazil, largely the language is Spanish. And after that, the Spanish colonizers start cutting up the Americas, as they call this land, into vice royalty. So you get the new, the, the vice royalty of New Spain, which becomes later the state of Mexico. And you also get the vice royalty of Peru, the vice royalty of Granada. And so the Americas start getting cut up into like private property lots among colonizers. And then there's independence movements by the colonizers themselves that create these states that we know today. Mexico, for example, is a colonizer project. Guatemala, all of the states are colonizer projects because what we get after 1492 and that line that the Pope drew is called the, from the Treaty of Tordesillas, which I remember hearing about in high school but not really understanding that it was even important until later. But the Treaty of Tordesillas cut this line and what that inaugurated was that only Europeans are allowed to cut those lines and to keep agreement over not transgressing over those lines. So you start getting these lines cut up in the Americas you start getting these lines cut up in Africa. You start getting these lines cut up internally to Europe. And Germany and Italy were the two that were the last to be created, the two nation states that were the last to be created very, very recently in the 1870s. And Germany decided that it wanted to get in on the colonizer action because Britain was now the big imperial power, having colonized every corner, every time zone in the, on the globe. So the British Empire was called the, the empire that where the sun never set because they had colonized every, we can call it time zone, for every part of the globe in a way. And then there was also the French Empire and the Russian Empire, and the Germans wanted to become an empire. Mm. So they hosted in Berlin a conference to cut up Africa. They put a big map on the, on the wall and among the Europeans, they decided who was going to get what. And that's why even today, those the lines in Africa, if you look at a map of Africa, a lot of them are straight lines. Mm. And then you get also then World War One. a couple of decades later, the Ottoman Empire and the imperial powers, the British and the French, are fighting. And they really want to have some of that land after the Ottoman Empire falls. They're also fighting with Russia, France, and Britain get together and they in secret start cutting up the land there too even though they're telling the native population hey look if you help us fight off the ottoman empire we're going to give you your own state but in secret they were cutting up these borders between themselves and those are the borders that we have today of these new countries lebanon syria jordan iraq kuwait saudi arabia palestine these are new and they were borders that again that were created among europeans so what I argue is that as the Palestinians are trying to create a state next to Israel, they're not understood by Europe as even qualifying to be European enough the way that Israelis are. 
Israel was created by European Jews, so they have a, a very similar kind of cosmovision or ideology. So it's a lot easier to understand Jews, especially when they leave Europe, as similar to Europeans. But the Palestinians are trying to get a border, at least their leadership. But what I argue is that there's another line that we're not talking about. And that is, this is the key to what I argue empire is. Empire is a logic and practice where there is an above and a below. Mm. A have and a have not is how we, we call it. And it is made up so that it's a closed system where there's every time there's difference. So like if you and I were to encounter each other mm-hmm. under European logic, under empire's logic, we immediately have to size each other up and compete and see who's going to be superior and see who's going to be inferior. Like this is European political philosophy's foundation that the other, the stranger, is an enemy, not a mystery. The stranger is a mystery mm. for a lot of native communities. We don't know yet, but with under with European political thought, the stranger is an enemy and will always try to be superior over you. So you need to always be superior. And it's like this closed system where if you're above, then you have peace. And if you're below, then you have war. And so those of us who are below and don't want to live in war, that's where the seductions are. If you mm. get the above to like you enough, to love you enough, they might allow you up there. And that is what the state of Israel has done. And it's what a lot of our movements constantly have been seduced into. And so how to get out of that? The way to get out of that is to have a very different foundation for how we understand the stranger. Back to the stranger as this other, a mystery, not necessarily my enemy. And so this I get from the Zapatista movement in Chiapas, a Native American Maya rebel army who's been organizing for 40 years. And they hearken to Native philosophy and say, instead of above and below, let's go side by side. Mm. Let's, let's be equal because we're different, not set a standard to equality. Because once we set a standard to equality, we've introduced inequality. How about we just begin with the premise that we're equal because we're different and it's because of our differences that make us so beautiful and powerful as a community instead of in spite of our differences, we can be powerful. So leaning into different and having an ethical relationship to it is the way out. And that is what the world of empire doesn't want us to practice. Girl. (laughs) (laughs) My mouth has been open this whole time. It's just so much information, but yet so much of it makes so much sense. You know, it's just um, the balance of power and how um, it's being maintained. And I really believe that, you know, like what you said, you the the healing part of it is is understanding that our differences make us more beautiful and powerful and strong as we stand side by side with each other. That's it. And you know, the way that I, that the way that I try to explain it, I'm like, you know, I went through the whole university thing and I, you know, I couldn't read the, the very dense 
jargon. I don't like it, though. It doesn't communicate it right. And I sort of realized, hey, this is exactly how we talk all the time. We just use the phrase have and have not. You know? Right, right. So, you know, so it's very, I feel like it's very intuitive to mm-hmm. a lot of us where we, you know, we think about stuff like this all the time, but it's just not talked about. It's not discussed in public as much. Like, it should be. Mm-hmm. Well, thank, I think. thank you, compa. <laughs> Thank you, Compa Linda. <laughs> Thank you, Compa Kiki, <laughs> for all of your information and the wonderful talk that you gave us here on All Things 805. And um, I know you are currently writing your book, Palestine 1492. Thank you for shedding some light on the history and just to give another point of view of what is going on in um, with the Palestinian people and, and, and Israeli people. Um, it's... It, it's disheartening because we do, you know, since we don't know and Palestine is, is such a secret to us and, and it's remained like that. Uh, I believe that we have this view that maybe they are in the wrong because they are the unknown, but there's a lot of history of what's going on. And um, thank you for enlightening us on, you know, the real estate and for all your work that you do with understanding borders incredible incredible work thank you thank you and if folks would like to learn more while i well i'm still trying to write this book as fast as i can uh-huh. um there on my website kiki.org it's q-u-i-q-u-i.org you can find links to videos that i have where i show a lot of maps and that can help i think with the visuals help make more sense of things i think and this woman is right here from the 805. She's right from Oxnard and Port Wyneme. What did you call it? Oxnemi? Oxnemi? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think I probably lived in Oxnemi. I was on the west side of Oxnard, the very, very west side on Ventura and Channel Island. So I think that's Oxnemi for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, you know, it's transcending the border between Oxnard and Wyneem. Uh, <laughs> making it so that we kind of stand together, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Linda Kikivich, um, author of the upcoming new book, Palestine 1492. One more time, give out your website so people can look you up. My website is kiki.org, and that is spelled Q-U-I-Q-U-I.org. Thank you so much for being a guest on All Things 805. Thanks so much for having me. So happy that you exist, that this show exists. Shout out, much love to all of the 805. Coming up next is my interview with Tyler Tanap, boxer from Boxnard, California, on his way to the Olympic trials in Australia. He's next on All Things 805. I'm your host, Miss Alanette, and a friend of mine by the name of Gilbert. And so when Gilbert checks in with me and uh, says, hey, there's somebody I want you to meet, I take it seriously. So I'm in studio right now with Tyler Tanap and his uh, dad, Darrell Tanap. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Okay, so Gilbert is, um, he is very active in the boxing, boxnard community. Tyler... Um, first question I always ask people on the show is, uh, what do you want the listeners of All Things 805 to know about you from your own point of view? Well, I'm just proud to represent the 805 internationally, going around the world, and coming from Oxnard, 
and representing, you know, my, my Filipino community mm-hmm. and everyone here from Oxnard, just representing Oxnard internationally. Okay. And uh, Papa, Darrell, what do you want the uh, listeners of all things 805 to know about you? Uh, just, I don't know, I'm just a dad. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, I was there helping out too. You know, Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Gilbert, you know, he started Tyler off since he was like what nine, ten years old mm-hmm. from nothing, and you know, now the Philippine government gave him an invitation to try out for the team. So, you know, that's one big accomplishment. That's big, know? and you know, from somebody that from here in Oxnard. That's yeah. huge, and and no, you're not just dad, like you are part of his journey. You know, that's why I put you up to the mic. And I said, (laughs) you need to talk too, because you know, like you're his biggest support system. You bought him here today. We're here to talk about Tyler though. Um, Tell me a little bit about your journey. Like, and you got with Gilbert when we were very young. And and so what made you want to start even getting in the ring in the first place? Well, I grew up watching boxing, you know, my whole family, you know, watching Pacquiao and I really wanted to fight. So um, when I turned eight years old, I went to the boxing gym at Robert Garcia's. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't all you know pretty you know. I used to get beat up, but then over time, as I got older, training and training, training hard, I started getting better. And then sparring world champions like Lomachenko, Alex Volzdik, you know, and Olympians, and I just got better and better. Now I'm here. So you're heading over to the Philippines. They actually reached out to you, and so what? What was that like, or, or how well, did that process my, go? My dad, my dad networked through a lot of the, the Filipinos we know in the boxing community, right? And they know the um, the secretary general of the of the boxing team, mm-hmm. who um, invited me to try out for the team, mm-hmm. and 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 now I'm in the Philippine national team. Yeah, right. we went there when back in June. June, mm-hmm. yeah. June, we went there for his tryout with. With, with Gilbert. Uh-huh. Gilbert and I stayed there for three weeks just to make sure everything was all right. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so Gilbert had fun over there uh-huh. you know, training. The coaches there are all Olympians mm-hmm. from bronze to silver medalists. Yeah. So the, the, the training's pretty good, you know? I mean, it was a big culture shock for him. Of course, yeah. Because he doesn't speak the language. Mm-hmm. It's only English that he knows, so he's starting to understand a little bit. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've been there for about seven months now, so yeah, I can understand a little bit of Tagalog now. Yeah, so you're taking him back to the roots, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things I wanted him to, to you know, uh-huh. for him to go there so he can understand where his, you know, his culture is from and how hard it is to live there and see the people there. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted him to go there. Well, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's an important part of your journey to becoming a man you know how old are you 20 20 okay so yeah becoming a man you know you're about like you're actually able to go back to the motherland and and see what's up you know what i'm saying and to see how blessed you are and how far you've come and then going back to actually you know fight for your people basically Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a very important part of your journey i think and that's what i always wanted to do i wanted i really wanted to fight for the philippines mm-hmm. yeah i want to represent my people and there was a in order for him to fight for the philippines he had to become a filipino citizen okay so he uh we reached out to um philam nation select yeah philam nation select which is they helped us have him become a, a dual citizen okay so now he's a u.s citizen and a filipino citizen so when you went to the philippines tyler um in studio right now on all things 805 with tyler tanep and his uh father uh darrell tanep and um so when you went to the philippines what do you feel like was your 
biggest like um, obstacle you had to get over? Like, or the biggest thing that was in front of you that was like, uh, ouch, oh, whoa, this is different. Ugh. The the culture there, I'm used to it, you know. Uh-huh. Like, so, the weather, I think it was yeah, the weather. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the weather, it's really hot there. It's like 100 degrees and humid. Uh, yeah, yeah. 100 degrees and 100 degrees humidity. <laughs> 100% humidity. Yeah, yeah, the yeah the, oh yeah, the traffic's bad. The traffic's real bad over there. But uh-huh. other than that, I'm... I'm it was it wasn't really too bad. Okay. So what was the the thing that you liked most about the culture or the differences between here and the US? All the people. The people are really nice in the Philippines. Like they're really polite. I've I've never encountered like a bad like rude person in the Philippines. Everyone's mm-hmm. really nice over there. Well, that's great. In studio with Tyler Tanap, uh he's about to go over to the Philippines and um he's about to fight on their Olympic team. So what was that like process like once you went over there for your tryout? I don't know what the process is like. Did they put you in there to spar? Did they watch you? Yeah. Like at first, a lot of the guys they um, like they try to get me out. They, oh. they're, they're like kind of mean toward me. Like they try uh-huh. to beat me up. Because there's another foreigner. Yeah. Another yeah. Foreigner. And uh-huh. then they, it's like they didn't want me there. But they they gained my respect as I started. You know, because I'm tough and um, I have that Oxnard style in me. Like oh yeah. Forward, boom boom. I'm tough. Yeah. And I was sparring one of the guys who, who came from India to train there. And he's a bigger guy. He's like a heavyweight. Mm-hmm. And I sparred him. And he hits hard. And um, I kept coming forward, throwing punches. And even if he hit me hard, I'll keep coming forward. And then I remember getting out of the ring. And everyone was telling me, hey, you're, you're, you're real tough. Uh-huh. You're a tough guy. And uh, you, have, you have heart. And you, and you work hard. And I got on the team. You, you got everyone's respect. Yeah. yeah. Respect. That's what it was, yeah. is getting the respect. Getting from respect, them. yeah. I, when we were there, Gilbert and I, we knew. Uh huh. That's why we wanted to stay there to make sure these guys don't, you know, you know. Try take, to punk them! Yeah, and that's yeah. why, yeah, then that's why we, you know, we wanted to be there to tell them, hey, these guys are trying yeah. to get you. You need, you need to, you know, pick it up. And it's also kind of like a mental game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. they were kind of playing. They were trying to make you feel like you're a little bit inferior because you know that you are not from there. So, you know, they make you feel that way and then it gets into your head and then it makes you not perform as well. Yeah, because they had a, a, a couple more foreigners that went there before him uh-huh. and, you know, they didn't make it because, you know, that's why... They got into his head. They get, you know, yeah. And that's why, you know, when he came, they were thinking he's going to be the same way. Uh-huh. That's why when he came along, they're like, okay, he might be another one of these guys. That's because he's from Boxnard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a certain style yeah. and he ain't no punk. Yeah. That's right. That's right. In studio with Tyler Tanap and his uh, father, Darrell. And it's very exciting news. So tell me about what's going to happen coming up very soon. You're you're leaving, and so what's what's going to happen, Dad? Are you going with him, or is he um, going by himself? They're training right now to go to Australia uh-huh. for a training camp there. Yeah, well, well, the main thing is we're training for the Olympic qualifiers. Okay. And that's going to be in Italy in uh, February. So right now we're going to go to um, Australia in January for a, um, for a training camp for like two weeks. And then after that will be the Olympic qualifiers in February Okay. in Italy. Wow. So he... he, he he just fought in August. Uh huh. In Taiwan, Taipei. Okay. So he he got bronze there. All right. Yeah, I I, I beat Korea and then I, I I lost in the semifinals to uh, Kazakhstan. Okay. Yeah. 
Kazakhstan's real tough. Yeah, yeah. Kazakhstan's a tough country. Real tough. All the all the Russian or Soviet countries, they're they're really tough. Yeah, yeah. we we all saw Rocky, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we saw it. <laughs> oh yeah, so it's it's very exciting news then, Tyler. Um so how can where can we go to follow your journey like and and so we can support you and you know see you know everything that's going on because i'm sure you know we want to be able to be a part of it as you're you know documenting this very important part of your journey you know how can people follow you see what you're doing or well i'm, I'm mainly active on instagram or mm-hmm. Facebook, just just my name, Tyler Tanap. Okay, it's just my name on, on Instagram or Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Good luck to you, Thank and you. I'm Thank definitely you. gonna get up there and follow your journey. And for everybody, um, just follow him on Instagram at Tyler Tanap to find out everything that he's doing. Also on Facebook as well. Anything else you would like to add or mention about the what's coming, man? I just want to give a couple of shout outs. Go for it! Fun. Shout outs! I'm always I, down for the shout outs. I just, I just want to shout out um, hits sports uh the gym i've been training at in camarillo uh wicked boxing they got the, the great best gear out here in oxnard uh and the uh and the uh association for the filipinos yeah okay all right pop you got any no that's you that's ain't it. got no shout outs i just you know thanks to gilbert for helping yeah. tyler out because he started from you know nothing. Rock, rock bottom uh-huh and you know gilbert spent you know a lot of times same with myself you know every sunday we have this you know ritual Mm -hmm. you know six in the morning every sunday we go to deer creek to run you know three miles uphill uh uh, okay sometimes sometimes it'd be 10 miles some 10 miles sometimes 10 sometimes 12 up uphill both ways (laughs) up in the mountains and we're always you know we're always asking inviting people to come with us you uh-huh. know, but not many people like it because it is tough yeah, yeah. Tough run, yeah. you know and, and you know I, I, you know thanks to gilbert he is where he, he yeah. is yeah and without gilbert I, I wouldn't be where i'm at right now well shout out to gilbert and we uh want to see you triumphant and we'll be watching for you tyler thank you thank you, you should have been downtown the people are rising we thought it was a lockdown they opened the fire, them bullets was flying, who said it was a lockdown, goddamn lie. Oh my, time heals all, but you out of time now, judge gotta watch us from the clock tower, Little tear gas, clear the whole place out, I'll be back with the hazmat for the next round. We was trying to-